Hey guys, welcome back to Burbs the Word. I'm Cassandra Henwood, and I have a very special guest here with me today. Her name is Katie Lohman, and she is the founder of the not-for-profit organization Kitchen Possible. So her organization already has a bit of a buzz in the Chicago area, but for those of you who don't know, Kitchen Possible is an organization currently operating out of Pilsen, East Garfield Park, and Marquette Park areas of Chicago whose mission is to empower kids ages nine through 12 to make amazing things happen in their lives by teaching them how to make amazing things happen in the kitchen. So with all of that being said, Katie, welcome to the show. Hey. <laughs> we are so glad to have you. Uh, for those I'm of you so who excited. don't know, <laughs> I'm so excited to have you too. For those of you who don't know Katie, she is one of the most vibrant, funniest persons you'll ever meet. She's just hilarious. She's just a treat to have around. So Katie, thank you again for being here. Um, tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to creating Kitchen Possible. Oh my God. First of all, Cassie, you are like the funniest person I met. And when you asked me to do this, I, I, I feel very insecure about my own humor. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. I feel very insecure. So I'm going to just try to, I'm gonna try to make some jokes. Okay. All right. But, that's fine. So my... So my um, background is really not in food, um, but when I was six, my dad started teaching me to cook just at home in our kitchen, um, and he taught me, I remember, first to make this barbecue sauce. We used to make this barbecue sauce, like, all the time. It was just such a good recipe to make with a kid because he would let me add stuff and add spice and add more sugar and stir it and mix it and really make it my own. And we would make this sauce <clears throat> all the time. I would make it all the time. And we would always have it in my fridge. And I would refer to this sauce as Katie's barbecue sauce. It was this like weird narcissistic sauce that I just said, like, <laughs> Katie's barbecue sauce on it. And I remember making that sauce and just feeling so proud of it. Like, I think that's probably why I called it Katie's barbecue sauce. I just felt so much ownership over it, right? I felt like I had made mm. this thing and... I'm amazing. And I felt like at, <clears throat> at such a young age, I felt like I had this power. And fast forward to now, um, on any of my hardest, most stressful days where I feel like I don't know what I'm doing in anything, nothing makes me feel powerful and in control again than cooking. And so for me, it's always just been this symbol of I can do things and I can make things happen. And so... Yeah. Kitchen Possible really is about taking that feeling that's been so personal and so important to me and bringing it to kids that it can really make an impact on. That's wonderful. That's a great answer, too. So, I mean, I've been looking at your background with everything you've been doing, and you've been featured on Fox News, WCIU, uh, The Jam Show. Um, there's been several publications mentioning your entity, um, including Block Club Chicago, On the Table, and even Chicago Food Magazine, which all have obviously nothing but laudable things to say about your entity and your accomplishments. So tell me what it was like promoting this and seeing your hard work come to fruition. Well, I would say it's been, the whole thing has been very humbling. Um, I don't know, this thing started for me like maybe about three years ago now was when I first started Kitchen Possible. And before that, it was something that I wanted to do for a really long time. Um, I'd always felt like there was just this 
this real opportunity with this sense of, of power and that make it happen attitude that I felt with cooking. And I always thought like, I want to bring this to kids who need it. Um, but it was really hard to start. Right. And so I kind of put it off and I put it off and I thought like, Oh, that's a thing I would love to do, but I'm never really going to do it. And mm. I would always feel really bad about that. Right. I was like, oh, it's this thing that I should do, but I'm not doing. And like, ah, oh, it was just so stressful. And then eventually I did it and it started working and people started caring about it and started getting equally passionate about it and picking it up and talking about it. And it's still just very unreal for me that not only is it a, an actual functioning organization that's helping kids, but something that anybody wants to pay attention to or wants to donate to or volunteer their time toward or, or cover in, um, or in any form. Um, so it's just been super humbling and really, really cool to start seeing other people care about it, right? Or, or start to believe in the mission that I've believed in for such a long time. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people could probably relate to feeling like they want to do something, but then not taking that next step to be like, I'm going to actually do it. I'm going to actually take steps to make it happen. So the fact that you, you know, took that risk and, and made this happen, I think has really proved positive for the communities that you work out of. So I think it's great. Um, I could only imagine that it probably takes a village to operate something as extensive as Kitchen Possible. So I'm, I'm curious, what does, what does your staff situation look like with your entity? Yeah, so for now, we still have no paid employees. Um, so okay. truthfully, it's a, lot of, um, it's a lot of my time in between my day job, right? And on my weekends and, and my evenings. Um, and then we've developed this really amazing set of volunteers. So there are about 30 volunteers now working with our organization. Oh, wow. It's crazy. Um, I think that, I think the first, the first session of Kitchen Possible, we actually had, <clears throat> we needed seven volunteers in the kitchen with me and the kids. And um, I was literally like twisting people that I knew, friends, twisting their arms to be like, please just come to this thing. Like, just come to one or like, just come on again. Or like, please come to this thing. And it was always right. just really getting people that I knew and, and that cared about me to do this favor for me. And now people reach out and say, hey, I heard about this organization here. I'd love to be a part of it. How do I volunteer? Uh, and it's just been so cool to see people dedicate their free time, right? People dedicate their Saturday mornings, their Saturday afternoons, um, and they are willing to take time out of their life, right? Which is no small thing. Um, and mm -hmm. they, they spend time with us in the kitchen and with the kids and helping to kind of further the organization. And so uh, we're totally volunteer led right now. <clears throat> um, we have plans to, um, to hire our first part-time employee, hopefully as soon as <laughs> if, if and when um, this, this COVID situation calms down, uh, when we mm. can start classes back up, because we've kind of been on hold for now, just as kids can't get in the kitchen with us. Right, um, of course. But the plan is to really start um, start formalizing that a little bit um, to be able to have that that employee uh, who can really help us to to keep moving this thing and, and growing it to where it needs to be. That's amazing. So with your volunteers, because of um, well, actually, how many kids like per class do you typically have? And then based on that, is there like a ratio of volunteers to kids that's necessary to make that work? Yeah, that's a good question. So can I actually explain kind of how classes work? I'm like, absolutely, you know all please of do. Right? Okay, so the way it works, <laughs> no. I'm like, I love cooking barbecue sauce. Here's <laughs> like, that's okay, it. Let, no. me back, let me back it up a little. Okay, so the way the program functions is that we work with community centers in three of 
Chicago's lowest income neighborhoods. Um, as you said, East Garfield Park, Marquette Park, and Pilsen. And we partner with a community center in each of those neighborhoods really to provide us a space, right? So in East Garfield Park, we work at a community center that has a really nice large kitchen space. And we come in once a week for eight weeks at a time in summer and in winter. <clears throat> and we bring in um, basically mini kitchen setups. Okay, so we've got literally like seven different kitchen setups in this kitchen. And it's like double burners, like plug-in electrical burners, um, different oh, sets wow. of pots and pans, knives, utensils. Um, and then we recruit kids in the community to come in and take this class and participate for those eight weeks. Um, and the way that the class functions is it's a 90 minute class. The first 30 minutes is dedicated to teaching the recipe. So whether that's myself or one of the other volunteers, or sometimes we have a guest chef come in and join us. Uh, we really like demo the recipe. It's like food network, but without a camera. Um, right. And then the kids kind of watch and absorb and pay attention. And then they spend the next 30 minutes breaking into little teams and working at those mini cooking stations and they just recreate the whole recipe themselves. So the ratio of kids to volunteers is three kids for every one volunteer. And so oh, each, okay. each team of three, I mean, each team of three, it had, every kid on that team has a really involved role in making the meal. And so they cook the food, <clears throat> they do an amazing job. Um, the, the volunteer is really working with the kids to keep them safe keep them on task and also just to kind of be a champion and cheerleader for them, right. To be like, Oh my God, you, right. you like you did that. That's amazing. And just really, or if they fail to be like, it's okay, guys, we got to get back in there. Let's, let's work on this. Yeah. Um, and then the last 30 minutes we come back together and we talk about like what the kids experienced, what they learned, what was hard, what went really well. And we talk about um, a broader life lesson. So something that they experienced that day while cooking that applies outside of their lives or outside of the kitchen in their lives to making things happen. So if it's like, maybe we talk about perseverance the day that we make crepes, right? Cause they usually mess up the first one, mess up the second one and they can I'm really sure. experience yeah. like failing and having to try again and having to kind of stay in there. So, yeah. So we basically use this cooking experience as a way to open them up to some really, really powerful lessons just about making things happen in general um, but in a way that they actually want to pay attention to. Wow. That's so cool. I, I want to join this class. Like I want to take a class. Oh, eight to 12. I misspoke. Yeah. Okay. I said nine to 12, eight to 12. That's a good age gap too. Cause yeah. they're old enough to like, know they're, you know what I mean? They could like do what they need to do in yeah. the kitchen, but learn something too. Yeah, they're, I not, love... they're young enough to not be, like, too cool yet, right? Like, right. They still think adults are, like, <laughs> yeah. trustworthy and interesting, and they listen to us, but they're also right. like, old enough to use a knife. Yes, yeah, then be safe about it. No, and I love... Um... I love using like the, the life lesson with the cooking. Like I love that parallel between the two. I think that's interesting. And I think it makes so much sense. Um, so going back to, you were saying like with COVID and the, you know, obviously the classes like congregating and in, inside with that many people is obviously kind of off limits right now, but have you guys done anything, any like recalibrations like any virtual classes or anything like that due to covid yeah we've done some um some virtual classes on like a zoom platform with the kids um and i mean it's certainly been 
well, it's certainly been better than nothing. It's been really exciting to see the kids in their own homes and in their own kitchens. Um, they've usually got a parent with them to keep them safe. And so it's really nice to be able to see them on a different level than we typically would. But it's also yeah. like just like a lot of things that are harder on Zoom. It's a lot harder. <laughs> like um, I feel like 20, 20 to 30% of the class is dedicated to like, can you hear me? Or like, hello? Or oh, like, Katie, yeah. I can't see you. I can't see you. And so, um, yeah, so it's a little bit different. Um, it's kind of its own, its own type of thing. We, uh, in that situation, we typically like cook something step-by-step step together. So it's like, okay, I'm going to do the first thing. Now you guys do it. Now we'll do the next thing. Now you do it versus like, here's a full 30 minute, uh, recipe demonstration just because they probably get bored and leave. Yeah. But yeah. It's, been, it's been better than nothing for sure, but definitely looking for forward sure. to getting, getting back together in person. Yes. No, I think I think anyone listening who's either had kids in homeschool or is working remotely, I think can definitely relate to the frustrations of Zoom. Yeah. Um, it's, I don't it's, know. I don't know how parents are, are really have been able to step step up and do that. And I definitely don't know how teachers do it. No, like it is. no, I don't either. Like, I definitely have mad respect for anyone in that industry right now, because that's that's got to be tough. Got to be intense. Yeah, agreed. So, OK. All right. So, I mean. I could, um, it's obviously inevitable that in order to get any sort of, any sort of entity off the ground, you're probably going to need a budget of some kind. So I'm curious, what sort of, um, what sort of financing steps did you take to fund Kitchen Possible? Good question. So in the beginning, um, in the beginning, as I said, it was like, really like just trying to figure out how to do this thing and pushing myself to right. do it. And a big step in that very initial stage was getting past this assumption that I needed to have everything like completely ironed out and planned out um, because that was the stage that I stayed in for like three, <laughs> three or four years just waiting. Um, so eventually I was like, okay, I'm just going to figure this thing out. I'm just going to start doing things and like asking people for donations. Um, I mean, I, when I first started this thing, it literally was like, I literally posted on Facebook to my like friends and family and I was like, Hey guys, I'm going to do this thing. Like, please don't laugh. It's really important to me. Oh. And, like, do you have any old pots and pans that I can have? <laughs> yeah. I literally was like picking, I was literally like driving to like neighbors houses and like friends and family and like picking up old pots and pans and utensils that they had. And I had like all of these bags and boxes full of stuff in my home and um, <clears throat> so it was really scrappy initially. Um, I mean, it's still relatively scrappy in terms of, of super low budget, but it was pretty scrappy. Like we used a lot of used pots and pans, bought the rest of the stuff at literally like home goods. Yeah. And then um, that was really all it required in the beginning, right? Like the, the, oh, the food, the food actually. Uh, one part of it obviously is ordering ingredients for these kids to cook. Um, there were a lot of people when I, re I remember I first when I asked people for utensils and pots and pans, there were a few people who were like, well, can I get you like a gift card or something to help with this program? Or can I donate toward the groceries? And I was, to be honest, at that point, I was like, what? People want to give me money to do this thing? Okay. Oh. Like, of course I'll do it. Like, yes. Um, I'm like, of course people need to donate. Um, but so, yeah, so people were donating toward that kind of from the very beginning. And so we've I set it up from the very beginning to be very, um, very lean in terms of what we need, right? Like we're not paying any employees. Um, right. The, the supplies that are required for the classes are really like a one-time purchase once we set up in a community center. And then <clears throat> it's really just the food from there, right? Like the 
ingredients that we order every week in order to make make the dishes. Um, and we've had since that three year ago mark just an amazing stream of supporters and people willing to donate and um, make sure that we can make that happen. So it's been a wild ride to say to say the least. That's I'll, I'll bet. Now, when you say like at the beginning when you were purchasing um, like from Home Goods, that was that was you like out of your pocket. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, wow. it was me out of my pocket. And then, I mean, and a few people who were like, I'll give you, I would love to give you like a $50 Amazon gift card so you can buy stuff. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it, it's funny. Cause I, I don't know, like, I think it, it's just a little insight into like how our brains work about things that are really important and, and give back and do good. But to me, it was like, this is the thing that's important to me. Of course, no one's going to believe it. I'll just have to fund him, <laughs> fund it myself. It's like, <laughs> crazy. And I remember, oh. I remember talking to someone, it was like a friend's relative or something. And she was like, you need to ask people for donations. And I was like, I can't ask people to donate to this thing. And she's like, are you kidding? Like you're donating <laughs> like, yes, you so can. much time. People will donate to this thing. And I was just so, I don't know. I was so insecure about it for a while, but now I'll gladly take anybody's money. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, like, okay. But really, I think a big turn for me is that well, I don't know. Nobody likes to ask people for help with most things. Like, I think that's just a human thing. Nobody wants to be like, hey, sure. can you donate to this thing? Of course not. Mm -hmm. But once I started, once I started being able to really see and talk about Kitchen Possible as an organization and an entity that was not myself, it didn't feel like I was like asking someone to like fund a hobby, you know, eventually it, it was like, sure. this is a program that I run and this is about supporting this program, which supports these kids. And then it, and then it's just changed the way I think about it, right? Like I'm happy to, I will hound anybody to donate to these kids and to what we're doing with these kids and their lives. I don't have to feel like I'm asking for favors anymore for myself. Yes. No. And regardless <laughs> of the good intent, it's still very brave. I think it's brave that you, you took those steps to ask for help. Cause I think, again, I think anyone can relate to how difficult that can be, even if it's for something that's that's good or, you know, has good intent. It could still be hard to ask for. So thank you. Well, oh, you're welcome. And thank goodness you were brave enough to do that <laughs> because, you know, like now these kids have this platform, you know, it's just phenomenal. You know, what's crazy so, about that, about what? like the idea of, of bravery. I mean, thank you so much for saying that. That's super flattering. But I remember the, the thing that was most like daunting for me emotionally in starting Kitchen Possible. And this seems so silly now to say this, but I think this is important for anybody who ever wants to start something. I remember thinking like, if I start this program and it fails, like it's going to be embarrassing. Like I remember feeling as though there was some like personal reflection on me. And I remember mm. talking to one of my close friends about that. And she was like, Katie, who cares if you try it and it fails? Like, what do you think people are going to say about you? Like, look at that dumb dumb. She started a nonprofit and it didn't work. <laughs> Like that would never happen. And I remember, no. like, I guess that's true. <laughs> I guess like, I <laughs> like what a loser. Like, <laughs> oh my God. It was, I was a mess. I was literally like, I was such a mess before I started this thing. I would like, <laughs> I would literally like at night, I would like get really stressed out and stress my husband out about this. And I'd be like, what's I got to do this thing? I'm like, I can't do this thing. I like feel so stuck. And he bought me this book. Oh my God. It was like the sweetest thing. Wes bought me this book that was called like you are a badass and it was like live your dreams do bold things don't be afraid and I remember sitting down and reading this book and then cr like crying like weeping and he's like what's Aww. wrong and I was like I'm not a badass I'll never do this thing 
Oh. So I was just like, I was a mess. I don't know. I mean, eventually, then I just like tried it and started it, and like it's been its own different kind of stress. But I, 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 it was something that now I'm like, I don't know why I drug my feet for so long in that. So, so scary. yeah, because it's scary. Like, I bet so I mean, scary. people are crazy, myself <laughs> included. Like, anybody who's wanting to do anything but feeling really weird about it, like, you'll, you're going to laugh at yourself one day. Yeah. You know, I, I love that you're saying that. And to anyone who's listening, like heed this advice, because I think so many of us stay in that stuck state of mind where we want things and we desire things and they're completely within our grasp, but we're so scared to take that step. And we're so afraid of the failure. We're, we're so fearful of the failure that we don't even take the step to make it like even a phantom of a possibility, you know? So I think that's really good advice for anyone, for anyone who's listening, for anyone who wants to do anything important or anything at all, really, you know, just, you got to take that step. I think I'm going to have to steal, I'm going to have to steal that line of, of, what did you say? A phantom of a, I don't even remember. A phantom of a a possibility. Yeah. I'm going to, I'll play it back. (laughs) Thanks. Wow. I'll, I'll, I'll write my own self-help book. Good. You flatter me. Thank you. <laughs> so this is going to come off probably maybe a little off topic, maybe not. But um, I was low-key stalking your LinkedIn a little bit um, among copious amounts of other articles that you've been mentioning. Um, you're basically a star, just so you know. But <laughs> on top of running your own not-for-profit, you're also the director of strategic planning at FCB Chicago. So do you mind telling our listeners a little bit more about that? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's so wild. I, I really do feel like I have these like different sides of my life. Um, and they like sometimes intersect, but it's crazy. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, my career and, and day job and most of my day, not, but we're not dedicated to kitchen possible, um, is in advertising. I work in brand strategy, um, which is totally unrelated to kitchen possible, but somehow also very been so helpful in really being able to build that brand and that organization and kind of broader entity, um, mm-hmm. but for anyone who's like, what is brand strategy? Cause that's not like a normal term. Um, I basically, um, I thought the same thing. Thank you for saying that. I work with brands to help them identify the best, most meaningful version of themselves. And then that often manifests itself in advertising and brand innovations and efforts and, and you name it. Um, and so, yeah, it's been a, it's certainly been a, mm, I don't know if I'd say difficult task. Okay. It's been a difficult task sometimes managing that, right? Cause it's like, sure. I have this like pretty demanding career that I find so much fulfillment in and, and work really, really hard for. Um, and then I've got this other side of my life. That's, that's totally different and, and makes me feel so good <laughs> in a, a very different way. Um, but I, I think a lot of people are like, when are, are you ever going to quit your job and do Kitchen Possible full time? And I don't know. I mean, I think mm. it seems like a, it's it's such like a 2020 view to be like, I don't have to, you know, like I can continue to do this thing and then do this thing on the side and make it super meaningful and not not have to compromise um, the way I think about either. So I don't know. It's almost, right. It's a journey, as they say. Yes. No, I agree with that. Um, and I think, too, like just what you're what you do um, during your day job, like would you I mean, I think you kind of touched on this, but would you say like there are some continuities with your work in strategic planning that are parallel to Kitchen Possible? Like maybe within your advertising for Kitchen Possible, like have you been able to use your skills for both? 
Yeah, I mean, I think a, a lot of my a lot of my um, strategy career is about like helping simplify things and make things really clear and um, reframe them or make them meaningful in a different way. And really, like that's kind of what Kitchen Possible is all about in terms of using food and cooking to talk about life situations and scenarios and and, and broader life skills. And so I think um, that that skill set of being able to draw those connections and make those things really clear is certainly something that's been useful. Um, and I think just being able to understand the power of a brand, right? And it seems, sure. I don't know, it almost feels it almost feels wrong to describe Kitchen Possible as a brand because it's it's not about like selling things or making money, obviously, but it is mm. like a brand, a brand is just what the world sees, sees you as, or sees um, an entity or organization as. And I think to be able to understand that the way people see Kitchen Possible matters and like silly things like having a logo, of course, is important because it's the, one of the first things people see or being able to tighten up use in social or whatever that, whatever that might be actually has been pretty useful. Yeah, no, I'll bet. I'll bet. So, I mean, it does, it does sound like a lot, like you said, like you're working full time during the day, you've got this, this not-for-profit on the side. Um, what do you do for fun? What do you do when you're not doing either? Um, I mean, it's pretty, it seems like so related because it's the same thing, but like I cook <laughs> a lot, Cassie, I'm like always cooking. And when oh, I'm it's cooking, amazing. I'm always I've eating. seen you. Everyone check um, this girl out on Instagram. <laughs> like she's got some amazing videos. Like I, I, I feel like everyone's got friends who are like obsessed with something, but I don't know anybody who's obsessed with food as I am. Like, I, I don't know. I think, I think if you're ever like at my house and I'm cooking for you, that's a good thing. But most people are like, I don't want to talk about food all the time. <laughs> I could talk about food for forever. Um, and so I feel like most of my free time is like cooking, eating, going on runs so that I can have a lot of space to eat later. <laughs> Um, like hanging out with my husband, eating, taking our dog to walk somewhere to find food or like traveling specifically for the purpose of eating. It's a lot so, of fun. so you are a foodie for sure. <laughs> I mean, definitely food upset. I feel like foodie has some like fancier connotations that I'm worthy of, um, but definitely a, a real eater. <laughs> well, me too. I, I think that's maybe that's why we get along. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> honestly not much to me not much so so what um what areas of kitchen possible are you hoping to see expand or improve in the future well our hope is to really continue growing to new neighborhoods um i mean obviously the goal the goal is to serve as many kids as we can and so we're in those three neighborhoods now um, the, the plan has always been one new neighborhood each year to be able to expand and scale in a, a pretty sustainable way. Um, obviously, with the world right now and with COVID, I'm not sure that that will happen this year. And we'll have to figure that out. I'm such like a I'm so hard on myself about it. I'm like, gosh, how are we going to add a fourth neighborhood right now in the middle of not being able to be in the neighborhood? Right, um, right. So that's certainly something I'm, I'm thinking about. But the goal is to be able to get into more neighborhoods um, and to to be able to um, manage the program in different spaces at different times so that more kids can ultimately get in it. Because it's amazing for the 20 kids who can be in our East Garfield Park class at a time. Um, but there's another 20 kids that would love to do it, maybe a neighborhood away or maybe in the same neighborhood. And we'd, we'd need a, a larger space for that. So the, the plan is sustainable growth uh, long term. That's wonderful. Well, Katie, it was just a pleasure chatting with you. Um, 
for our listeners, for people who are tuned in, where can we find you and how can we help? Okay, so you can learn more about our organization at kitchenpossible.org. Um, or you can follow us on Instagram at kitchenpossiblechi. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you're interested in volunteering, dedicating time, donating, working with us to do anything, like if you're like, I've got this crazy thing that would be an amazing intersection, um, reach out through a website, please. Um, I'm, I mean, like, guess what? I'm the person who answers all the emails. <laughs> There's, it's not like, so it's direct. Oh, it's secretary. We'll respond to you. It's me. Like email me. Uh, um, anyone who wants to get involved, seriously, um, reach out. That, as I said earlier, like this whole thing is just kind of figuring at it out and making it all happen as, as we grow. And so anybody who's interested in joining that adventure. Wonderful. Katie, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on Birds of the World. Um, it was just, just amazing getting to know more about your phenomenal organization. I mean, that it is just phenomenal what you're doing. And to those of you listening, thank you for tuning in. Um, please be sure to look for Katie on your favorite social media platform um, and tell everyone you know about Kitchen Possible. I am Cassandra Thanks, Henwood. Oh, you're so welcome. Oh, I'm Cassandra Henwood. You're so fun to talk to you. This is Burbs the Word. See you guys next time. Thank you, Katie.